Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back to our home away from home. You know, a car with an eight-cylinder engine is a wonder to behold. Um, the power and the acceleration is a real joy. But can you imagine one of those in the hands of a little old lady who only drives a little bit around town and never gets over 25? It's a waste. It's sort of an, almost a tragedy. But that's actually pretty much what a lot of believers are doing. They have the most incredible power inside of them, living in them. And yet, it's so easy to mostly live as if there's almost no power at all. Maybe that's just you sometimes. You know, just trying to get through life, trying hard, not exactly living the high-powered life. It's almost like a person with superpowers who doesn't know it. So today, I want to challenge you to stretch a little bit, to, to reach out a little bit, to be more bold in using all the power that's available to you. So let's start here. The first thing you have to grab a hold of is that the Holy Spirit's actually in you. John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, and very truly means like you really should pay attention. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus is promising that when we start following Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to be with us, and yet even in us. And if the Holy Spirit's in us, that's got big implications for the way we live our life. You are not just you. There's someone else in the picture. You are not having to navigate life alone. There's somebody with you all the time. In the good times, in the bad times. There's somebody with you. You're not alone. And he says, because of that, we can ask him for anything. Now hang on to that. We'll come back to that. But the first thing is you're not alone. You know, a businessman in our church a few years back, he had a dream one night that was just a really strange dream about work. And in the dream, there were some major changes that were happening at his work. And he kind of thought, like, that'll never happen. That's weird. What, why did I have that dream? Two weeks later, he goes to work one morning, and they announced the exact changes that he had in the dream. And he calls me up, and he's all excited. He says, I had this dream, and it was this, this, and this, and today it happened. He says, Steve, we're not alone. I said, yeah, I've been trying to tell you guys that for a while. 
And folks, do you know that you're not alone? You're not alone when you go to work. You're not alone when you go to school. You're not alone when you're at home. There's somebody with you there to help you, there to strengthen you, there to carry you along. You are not alone. And that has big power implications. Because if he's with us, if he's in us, then that means there's great power in us as well, working inside of us. So much so that the Bible says we actually need supernatural help to actually really get our heads around it. Because it's just, it's beyond what we can almost really take in. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, the Apostle Paul is actually writing out something that he prays for believers all the time. And what he's praying for them most is that they'll actually get this thing of how much is actually in them. Let's look. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So you're going to be able to see things you haven't seen before. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. You think that's a lot of power maybe? Yeah. Yeah, you can talk back to me. In my church at home in Chicago, they talk back to me. So some of you look like you kind of want to talk back. So it's appreciated today. <laughs> we, like, we like a little talk back. Okay. So yeah, the, the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Because of the Holy Spirit, you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. That means almost anything's possible. Almost anything could happen in your life. You never know. There's an incredible power do you, that's there. Do you realize what you got? You know, it's kind of like a credit card. The, I've got a little piece of plastic. It's a credit card. The credit card is actually connected to the international banking system and gives me the right to spend a certain amount of money. I might only have a 20 in cash in my pocket but I'm not limited to the 20 because I've got the credit card if I use it, if I pull it out. Well, it's the same way. You are not limited to just the strength you have in yourself. You have a credit card, a spiritual credit card with the Holy Spirit. The riches, it says, of our inheritance in Christ. Riches, you have riches available to you through the Holy Spirit, if you use it. And the, here's the wonderful thing. 
because that credit card is backed up not by the international banking system, but by the Holy Spirit himself and our inheritance as children of God, no limits. Particularly in what can happen. You've got riches of power to draw on. So how does that actually work? How do we access the power? How do we get this working in our life? It's there, okay. How do we do it? 1 John chapter 5 gets us started. Verse 14, he says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So that phrase, according to his will, is really important. There's like a track you have to run on here because it's a track that's not self-oriented, but that's God-oriented. It's, his, it's about him, not about us. So God's not like the fairy godmother or the celestial slot machine from which we can indulge our selfish desires. When he says, ask me for anything, you can ask him to win the lottery, but I suspect the answer is probably going to be no. Probably because he loves you. If you've ever read the, whole, the history of what happens to people who win the lottery. You know, but you know, it's not that. That's not what he's talking about. There's kind of a track, and it goes like this. Desiring, first of all, more than anything else, that he would be glorified. And desiring his will. When you begin to turn your desires to match his desires, that's when the anything is possible kicks in. You're, you're trying to do something that also matches his desires. And then there's listening, the hearing. What is your will, God? What do you want me to pray about? What should I pray about? Because when you pray what God wants you to pray about, guess what? It's probably gonna happen. Yeah, If God says to you pray about this and you pray about it, you got a very good chance that's going to happen. That's, those are the prayers you really want to pray. So that's how it works. And then, in that context, you can have confidence. That is the context in which you can ask for anything. And the key, of course, is being ready to ask for anything. And this kind of encouragement to ask gets repeated over and over in the Bible. It's not just one place or one other place. It's all the time. Jesus himself, Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Or James 5, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. And the idea here is you may be only a human being, but you're not a human being alone, and like Elijah, you can be exceedingly bold in asking particularly when you're asking what God is leading you to ask for, when, when you're asking for seeking God's will and seeking God's glory. Let me ask you something. Are you asking God for great things? Are you asking God to do great things in your family and with your neighbor and with people you know, great things in your church? Are you asking them to do signs and wonders? Because you can, you should be, it's part of what he wants for you. And if you start to grasp that, it'll change your relationship with Jesus. You know, it's a kind of a funny thing. A lot of new believers just instinctively pray for everything. They ask for all kinds of things. Eventually, they run into sort of a prayer that doesn't get answered. And then they sort of give up. And that's where the problem is. Of course, sometimes not everything gets answered, right? We live in a time where the kingdom of God is coming, but it's not yet fully here. So sometimes God's will is done. Sometimes it's not. And that's why we keep praying. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But a lot of the times it is done. And we shouldn't stop asking for more things. We shouldn't stop asking boldly just because one thing didn't get answered the way we hoped. We're to ask for all things big and small. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Or Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So there's an invitation to pray for anything, for lots of things, for things small and things really big. A couple of Bible stories. One of my favorites is Matthew 17, verse 24. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. Now Peter's blowing smoke here he has no idea whether Jesus does or doesn't. <laughs> so when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. And he says, what do you think, Simon, he says, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. That's pretty good. <laughs> go fishing and get your tax money out of the fish's mouth. You know, we, one of the things we've learned to do is to pray for lost things. A friend of Senia's and mine, you know, when she got married... Not long after she got married, you know, the, you know, when you first get married, you get wedding rings and they don't always fit just quite right and you fiddle with them a lot and they kind of move around, you know. Now I can't get mine off, but 
you know. Anyway, what happened was her, her husband goes on a fishing trip, a float trip, a rafting trip down a river. And it's one of these kind of a little bit wild rivers. It's a little bit bumpy and there's a, you know, a lot of splashing in water and whatnot going on. And somewhere along the line that day, he realizes when he gets to the end, his wedding ring had come off into the river. And they were heartbroken. So they prayed and they said, God, help us get that wedding ring back. So the next day, he goes back to the same river and gets on the raft and starts going down the river asking God, God, show me where the wedding ring is. And he gets down about part way and he feels like, go look over on that side of the river over in that still water over on one side. And he goes over there and he looks down and there's the ring right there on the bottom of the river. And just reaches down, grabs it and he's got it back. That's pretty good. Yeah. Just last year, last spring, I was in this building, standing right over in this section, talking to a friend who's going, who was going to another city to plant a church. And he is leaving where he was living and didn't really have any money. And he was telling me, I don't know where we're gonna live. I've got my family and my kids, but I don't, I, everything's set, but I don't have a place to live. I don't know what I'm gonna do. How am I gonna live over there? And, I'm, and he was moving from kind of a small country area, which was less expensive, to a place that was considerably more expensive. He was a little bit worried. I said, let's just pray. Let's just ask God right now to give you a house. So we stood right over there and we prayed and I literally, we prayed together, God give him a house. So the next morning when I walked in, he comes running over to me and he says, you'll never believe what happened. He says, I came early this morning to get in the building before too many people got here and I was, and somebody else came and they, this couple came and they found me and they said, God's been speaking to us and we heard you were going to this town to start a new church. We want to get you a house. He said, he says, you mean like rent me a house? And they said, no, 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 no. We're going to give you a house. You can get any house you want up to a half a million pounds and we'll cover it. That was a pretty good prayer. <laughs> He's living in it now. All right, ask for anything. You know, a number of years ago, I was here in the UK and I was talking to a guy, he was a relatively new believer and this was back in the days you couldn't get a movie out of the air and play it on the device. You, movies could only be obtained on these things called videotapes. Some of you are not old enough to have ever seen one. <laughs> but there is a thing, you know, like a, a kind of a cellophane tape and it's on a roll and there's a movie imprinted on the tape and you put it in this player in your house and you, and you can watch a movie, right? And you had to go to a store that rented these things in order to watch movies. That's how it used to be back in ancient times. <laughs> so anyway, this guy is with a bunch of his mates. He's the only believer in the group. And they decided there was a particular movie 
a little bit on the older side that they wanted to watch. So a couple of the guys, they go out to the video store to see if they can rent the movie. And they come back and they're all dejected like they didn't have it. We couldn't, we don't, we couldn't get it with the movie we all wanted to watch. We couldn't get. And my friend says, well, let's just ask God to help us get it. And his friends are kind of looking at him like, you know, you can't ask God for stuff like that, you know. But he just went right ahead, right there, just starts praying with his non-believing friends. Oh God, we really want to watch this movie. Can you somehow give us a copy of the videotape of this movie? Amen. And they're kind of like a little bit like mocking him. Like, that, that's not going to work, buddy. He walks out in the back garden of this house that they're in. And as he's walking out, he's wondering, just how is God going to give us that videotape? And just at that moment, the next door neighbor walks out into his back garden. And there's a fence between them. And the next door neighbor has a videotape in his hand. And he says, I just watched this great movie. Do you want to watch it? And he looked, and it was the very movie that they were wanting to watch. The neighbor hands it over the fence to him. He takes that videotape, walks back in, says, I got it. God can do anything if we ask. And sometimes we need to ask for the really impossible, the big things, the really impossible things. Acts chapter 12, verse 1, a story about the church asking for the impossible. It was about this time, it says, that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Okay, so that's the not yet part. It didn't work for, for James. Anyway, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. That's the Passover time. So during Passover, you can't do any work. And so they couldn't do a trial. They had to wait. So after arresting him, he put Peter in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They weren't going to just take this lying down. Just because it didn't go well with James, they weren't stopping. They were going to pray. They were going to fight this battle. So they're praying. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, all right, so we're now down to last-minute territory, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. You do know that if God wants to do something, there's no keeping him out. So he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first 
and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city, it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They're praying for him. They're praying for Peter. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door, forever famous because she answered the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. <laughs> and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. This is an interesting thing. They're praying for Peter <laughs> to be released. He's at the door, but when he's at the door, they're saying, you're out of your mind. Like, you know, kind of a little bit split there a little bit. You know, like, which is it? You know, it's just like, it's so impossible. You have to be a little bit out of your mind to think that it might actually happen. But there it is. And he kept, they, she kept insisting, no, he's at the door. And they said, that must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Sometimes... We need to pray for the impossible. Sometimes we need to be a little bit out of our minds and pray for stuff that's really big so that God's kingdom can move forward, right? Here, that's what happened. You know, I don't, would you have prayed in that situation or would have you been with the out of their mind crowd? You know, would you ask for something that big? I can remember asking for God to give us a building. Now the interesting thing is we prayed a lot for one particular building and we didn't get it. And I was a little bit mad at God about that. But the funny thing is that the process of not getting that building led us to getting a building that was five times bigger with about a, a hundred factor bigger parking facility. So God didn't give us what we were praying for because he gave us something bigger. You know, another time we had a person in our church, a small group. They had somebody turn up at their small group, wanted to be in leadership, but they, weren't, they didn't know enough about this person. They said, I'd, they came from this nearby megachurch, uh, but they'd left under a cloud from the megachurch, but they didn't know why and what exactly happened. And this person wouldn't tell them who would know the story at the megachurch. They couldn't do a reference. And so they came to me like, what should we do? We're like, we don't really know what happened. We don't know how to respond because we don't have any facts. And I said, well, let's just ask God to give us the facts somehow. Let's ask God to miraculously give us the whole story. So we did. And they prayed, prayed for a couple of weeks and one of them worked for this company where they would come into various uh, office buildings and pick up the trash and put it in the bins after everybody had gone home at night. So this guy, who's one of our small group leaders, he's doing his work. He's in late at night in this software company, picking up all these papers off the floor and putting them in the bin, you know, just going around. It's pretty mundane. And as he's going around, there's one 
crumpled up piece of paper in the corner and he felt like the Lord said, you should look at that one. So he grabs it, un, you know, spreads it out, looks at it, and it's a paper written by one of the pastors at the megachurch completely detailing what happened with this exact person, giving them all the facts that they needed to know how to respond. Impossible? Not impossible. So what do you need doing for the glory of God? What, who do you know? Maybe you know somebody that's suffering some kind of bondage. And you've tried and tried and just can't get them out. Maybe, you, maybe we need to ask for them. What breakthrough needs to take place that's burning in your heart? You know, you've got power inside of you. You've got the Holy Spirit with you. You can ask for great things. There's much more available to you than you have yet seen. Even if some things haven't always been answered the way you'd hoped, yet there's still more 